0: Yeah, so I've been on sabbatical for, as, as they said, two and a half months, uh, which sabbatical is a time of rest, and um, it is actually in the Bible, in the biblical story over like 3,000 years, sabbatical or Sabbath or rest is this theme that keeps coming back over and over and over and over and over again. It's a really important thing, and I don't know if you're ever like me, but sometimes I think I know better than God, and I know you're like, but you're the pastor, and I'm like, yeah, but so I know better. No, but um, sometimes I think I know better than God. I have like this degree of skepticism, and so I sometimes think I don't need to do some things that God says you should really do, and, and it turns out you do the thing that God said you should do, and you're like, wow, God, you're pretty smart, and, and this is one of those times for me uh, where I realized that I and us collectively, like for leaders and infused, we need to take time off. It is so absolutely important um, to refocus and recenter and just kind of get away from the churn and some awesome books out there to read, I won't digress, but you know, turns out you should actually listen to the Lord, okay, so that's exciting. Um, if you don't know who I am, um, you may know who she is, that's my wife, she's preached a couple times here at Infuse, and that's my family, so I'm just introducing you to them. This is how we look every single day, just that on top of it. Um, I think there are actually like 112 pictures that she sent us, and this is the only one where everybody was smiling, so... Um, <laughs> family, right? Awesome. Um, Yeah, so thank you, first of all, to all of you who stepped up um, to kind of fill the void, if you will, um, to make it happen. Uh, And it's really actually quite incredible because the vast majority of everyone that stepped up are volunteers here at Infuse. And uh, we didn't really miss a beat, which is really awesome um, to say, because uh, I think um, under all the crazy, under everything that we do, I think there's a, a really significant group of people who really believe in what we do and bringing hope to our community and spreading some love and being a place for imperfect people to come and worship whether the pastor's here or not. Um, you really believe that and it, and it shows and it impacts uh, the world around uh, that you actually you know, kind of are, we're all trying to imperfectly live the message that we say we believe and trust in, okay? So thank you. Um, now, we're going to start a series for the next few weeks called Hope for Hope. We're going to talk a lot about hope. Hopefully, you won't get too bored of hope or me saying hope. I hope that. Anyways, so um, I hope in a lot of things. I know you all hope in a lot of things. Um, I, hope, uh, I hope for you. I hope for Infused Church and its future and everything that we, we do, and, and uh, I have hope in that. I have hope in my kids um, I hope that one day they will be awesome human beings, awesome adults. I hope I will look back at some point in my life and say, you know what, Steph, despite all the challenges, we did pretty well, and to be proud of that. I'm sure that is if you are a parent or uh, someone who has taken guardianship over uh, a human being, a small human being's life, that that's your hope too, along with many other things. So here's my question. What do you hope in? What do you hope and what do you hope for you know maybe you uh hope uh you know your job will change your job will look different your job will get better you hope for a promotion more responsibility hopefully a little bit more income to meet that but let's be honest half the times you get a promotion you get the same pay i don't know what's up with that but you hope that it will get better um you hope maybe in a business venture you hope your vehicle keeps going for at least ten thousand more miles um, you hope your education that you spent a lot of money on pays, y'all, pays off, you know, or that somebody pays it off for you. One or two of the other things, just thought I'd throw that out there, get a little, you know, get some people a little upset about that. Anyways, um, you hope, uh, well, let's be honest. How many of you hope in social security? <laughs> not me neither. Um, unless you're already collecting it, then good for you, you made it. We are not. Um, uh, how about the church? How many of you hope in the church like genuinely like don't say it because you're in church but like you generally like yeah when i think of the church i think hope i can't see you so i'm assuming the people here i can see i don't have a lot of visibility okay maybe there's a couple of you that hope in the church i'm going to be honest with you through my sabbatical i lost hope in the church um and that's whew, that's a lot um but the reality is uh i visited some churches um while out and about And uh, it was um, not hopeful. Uh, Like, I knew the church wasn't doing so well. In part, that was, like, some of my motivation, Stephanie and my motivation, for starting Infuse in the first place years ago in in a coffee shop in Corville, because we wanted to spread that hope, and so we wanted to start a church because we really think the church is the vehicle in which, the community of people is the vehicle in which we do that. Um, But I'm going to be honest with you. As I visited these church, I could kind of see why Christianity is struggling. Like, I knew it, but then when you see it, you're like, ouch, that's painful. In fact, the Pew Research Center, as I was kind of Googling around, the Pew Research did some uh, surveys out for people, and I wanted to show you two graphs. This graph is U.S. Christians projected to fall below 50% if recent trends continue. So right here in 2020, we're at 64%, and in 50 years, um, with steady switching, it will be 46%. So the trend continues from like what the mid like 85 or something just down okay here's the next graph this is also um, pretty showing U.S. nuns nuns are not like NUN like they're nothings okay people who want to be nuns nuns are not on the rise (laughs) okay (laughs) um yeah I know Bummer. Okay, U.S. nuns. So like you are no religious affiliation, you don't want anything to do with religion, the nuns, that's the growing population. Don't call me atheist, agnostic, I'm just nothing. We'll approach the majority by 2070 if recent trends continue, okay? So right now we're 30% of people. They're not even including atheist, agnostics or anybody else, other religions in there. We're just saying people who say I'm nothing. Don't involve me in it. I don't know, to me that's almost even worse, is if you just say, I literally want nothing to do with it. I think it's so bad, I got too much on my plate, I got other things going on that are more important, I just want nothing to do with it. That will continue, and in 50 years from now, they will become the majority within the United States. And I'm gonna be honest, like, (laughs) when I went to these churches, uh, it didn't surprise me. It didn't it surprise me, and I tried to. Let me tell you, like, I would Google and look at pictures and websites before I pick. Like, I wanted to pick the most, like, welcoming, awesome, group of people I could worship with on a Sunday. I tried, okay? And it didn't like work out too well. One church uh, was very modern and I'm not just like church bashing. This is just where we have to kind of look ourselves in the mirror and just be honest with ourselves for a second. So I'm being honest, so bear with me in my honesty. Is uh, went very modern, uh, like seemed like a nice website. Uh, went in, brand new building. They just got this building. I'm like, okay, well you guys must be hustling. That's, that's great. Um, walk in. And my first thing to more or less always do in a church is find the coffee table. Not because I don't believe the Holy Spirit is enough, just because caffeine just really can jumpstart you, okay? And so I went and found the coffee table, and there was a little cable in the back of the room, and there was this giant sign on it. And it wasn't, welcome to church, so glad you're here, you know, fill your cup up with some delicious joe. It was, don't take the coffee onto the carpet, leave it here. So I'm like, how, how's this supposed to work? Well, how this is supposed to work, let me tell you. For the next two hours and 15 minutes service, you think I preach long. Come on, okay? Two hours and 15 minutes because, let me tell you this, and I will quote, I, let me read the quote just so I get this wrong. It's a long service because short sermons don't make good Christians. okay. So by that definition, you are all very mediocre, okay? (laughs) I don't preach for two hours and 15. You should be grateful. You're welcome. Um, So for the next two hours and 15 minutes, you had to take trips back to the table to get your coffee and make sure you don't confuse it with somebody else's coffee and take a sip of coffee and then go back to your seat, okay? All to protect the brand new carpet. And I'm going to be honest with you, like, we just, we just moved into a, a new place. It's not a new place. We had to, like, gut it, renovate it. Brand new carpet in our new place. I don't like it when my children marker, crayon, or spill on our new carpet. I don't like it. But let me let you on a secret. I love my kids more than the carpet and I will gladly clean up their messes. Why why parents do you clean up messes? Cause you what your kids? Love your kids, yeah. And that carpet is just a tool for them to learn, grow and play on. My dogs on the other hand, that's a totally different story. Not happy about what happened today. Actually, you know what, speaking of today, we had poop and pee from two different humans and dogs. Today, you're welcome. I know. See, I'm getting the energy. Okay, we're feeling it. <clears throat> I love my kids more than the carpet. The most sacred, the most valuable part of the church is not the carpet, it is not the building, it is not the place, it is the people. It's the darn people. people. Where's the next slide? People. People. No, there's no people slide. People! Ta da. <laughs> I know, little rusty, little rusty. We'll get there, just stick for a few more weeks, okay? People, yeah, people. Yeah, now you get, okay. And, okay, yes. And you know who else said that people are the most important part of the whole thing, of all of earth and history, the most important thing, people, was said by Jesus. In fact, he just didn't even declare it he lived it Jesus was for people before you all and me were even people he's the guy who started the church which is a group of people he left heaven I don't you couldn't pay me enough to leave heaven if I'm in heaven I love y'all but I'm not coming back okay unless he tells me to I suppose but I'm gonna stay there he left heaven to come to earth and it's it's okay okay but it's not that great, okay? He came here to teach love and to die for who? People, yeah, people. This is good news. This is a hope-filled message. People are valuable to God. This is why, if you're not a huge fan of Christianity, or you're trying to figure out Christianity, and you're here today, and like, why should I care whether or not the Christian church is declining, or nuns are rising, or any of that kind of thing, is because before there was even nuns, before there was even all these categories and all this stuff, thousands and thousands of years ago, God said, No, you matter, and I want you to know how much you matter to me. And I will continue to remind you of that for thousands and thousands of years because you are so stinking valuable. You are so stinking loved. That's more important than anything else. And Jesus showed that and modeled it. And that message, that truth, that hope, the world needs it. Because I think a lot of wars out there and a lot of arguments and a lot of bickering, a lot of hate is born from, comes from the fact that people are questioning their value. And so they try to bring down other people to elevate their own. And if only everyone in the world would know that they are loved by the Most High Creator God, I think just that alone would change the temperature of our world, the relationships in our world. Doesn't it change your life when somebody comes up to you and gives you a positive word, encouragement, or some love, treats you with respect? Doesn't that change you, make you feel Something different inside it may change how you treat the next person. So imagine if everybody got that message of hope. What if everybody start, started bringing hope like Jesus brought hope? Because how Jesus brought hope sometimes was pretty darn dramatic, and I think we could learn from it. There's this great story. Jesus is coming to the temple. The temple is this amazing thing. In Jerusalem, you can go to the ruins today um, and take a little tour, and, and there's, a, there's a wall that the Jewish people, ha- are a sacred wall, and it's the wailing wall, and it's the foundation of the temple mount, the same temple that Jesus walked on, exact same thing, it's just there's no temple. Anyways, and so um, Jesus comes into the temple courts, and the temple courts were the outside area of the temple, And in that place, you would think that people are preparing to go into the most holy of holy places. They're in the presence, the closest to the presence of God on earth, okay? That's where the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to reside. That's where the presence of God, that's where humanity and, and God came together, was this point on the map, on the face of the earth. And the courts surrounding that, Jesus walked into those, those courts, And he found some really disheartening things happening. Here's what it said. Upon reaching the temple courts, Jesus saw all the people buying and selling goods. They're buying and selling stuff. It's a trade market right now. It's kind of like when you go to Disneyland and before you even get to the entrance, they're selling you a Mickey Mouse for, you know, 55 bucks. And you're like, I see this one on Amazon for eight and I think it's the same thing. And they're like, yeah, but this one is at Disney World. You know, and it's like, okay. And your kid's are like, let's get that one. And you're like, not if you want any more food for the rest of the day, because otherwise I'm going to be broke. You know, it's one of those. People are selling things marking it up a ton and, and really, you know, hurting everybody who wants to come and worship the Lord. Saw all this stuff and where they should be praying and connecting with God. But instead of doing anything about it, Jesus said to his disciples, well, I hope somebody does something about that. And said no Bible ever. That's not what he did. But let's be fair, that's what most of us would do. Gosh, this just doesn't feel right. Like if this is the holy of holies, it just feels like this is the place where people should be connecting with the Lord. And yet what are we doing instead? We're making it a place for people to get rich. We're hurting people by gouging them for more money. And you and I would look there and we'd say, that's not right. This, this doesn't feel right. So I hope somebody else does something about it. I <laughs> hope somebody does something about it. But that's not what Jesus did. Because Jesus is gonna do something about it. Jesus, Jesus is gonna change the equation. Because let's be honest, hope doesn't happen in the status quo. Hope You're not going to find hope in the status quo, are you? That's not what hope does. Hope brings us out of the status quo to something different, to something better, to something new. But we want to stay in the status quo, right? In the church, we are so guilty of of just making ourselves a nice little box, a nice comfortable box. We put our routines in there. You know, we have our traditions, our denominations, our rituals, our policies. Right, our rules. And so long as you fit within the box, we're comfortable. You can be in the box if you want to. If you want to be out of the box, that's fine, but you're going to be out of the box and you know it. But in this box, there's nice clean corners. There's nice clean corners. In fact, in this box, there might be some brand new carpet. In this box, we may even hook up some HVAC, you know, some heat and an AC, and so it's real comfortable in the box in the box but deep down we know that when jesus came to earth and lived his ministry if you've ever read the gospels or heard anything about jesus you know he wasn't an in the box kind of a guy in fact he didn't even stay at a place for very long and he flipped open the doors of what was possible because everybody had been just living in the box and was so comfortable Deep down, I think you know, whether you're Christian or not, you know this is not how Christianity is supposed to go. This is not how love works. Love doesn't work very well in a nice, clean, perfect box because the world is messy. We're messy. This is not the heart of God for his people. And so we can stand on the outside or on the inside and hope somebody comes along and changes it for us, which we do. Or we sit inside the box and we hope somebody comes along like Taylor and it fixes our faith for us, helps us figure out our faith for us instead of trying to figure it out ourselves. We sit in the box and maybe we pay somebody else, like a pastor or staff, to make the hard sacrifices, to suffer a little bit, to do the servant-minded, kind, compassionate stuff that we know we're supposed to do as Christians. But there's not much hope. And life isn't meant to be lived without hope. That's why throughout the biblical story, you hear hope over and over and over again. What happened? Jesus just didn't hope somebody would come along. Jesus was the hope. Jesus brought the hope to the situation. Matthew chapter 22 started in verse 17, or uh, 15, excuse me. It says, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving those out who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those people selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. He started flipping tables. Why? Because this wasn't a place to exchange money. This wasn't a place to rip people off. This wasn't a place to sell visitors religious icons and sacrifices. This was a place for the broken, the imperfect, the struggling, the doubting, all nationalities to come before God and creation to be with the Lord. And Jesus taught them. He taught them, all of them. They're all like watching, you know? Jesus flipped a bunch of tables and they're all like, what's he gonna say next? And Jesus taught them. He said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. What nations? All nations. Everybody. Even the neighbors you don't like. Even the nations you don't like. This is the place, Jesus said. He said, I'm trying to turn this upside down so you understand God doesn't want a barrier between you and himself. In fact, Jesus said, I'm coming to remove that big barrier. But instead, y'all keep making dens for robbers and thieves. Don't let anything come between God and his children. The most important relationship to God. And what did the religious people do? The religious people feared him. Matthew goes on, the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, to kill Jesus. For they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed as is at his teaching. A religious, powerful elite realized their power was fading. And at that point, boy, sometimes we were just willing to do just about anything to keep that power. They were losing the crowd, because Jesus' teaching was true and changing people's lives. And deep down, the people there, just like us, I think, they knew it was right? They may not be ready to follow it, but they knew he was right. Jesus wasn't, wasn't hoping something was changed, would change. Jesus was being the change. Jesus was being hope. Don't just hope, be hope. You can be, I can be hope to other people. Why don't we make it a thing that we're doing, not just a thing? We're thinking about or we're believing in, but something we're doing. We're removing barriers that could come between God and his children. What, what if we start flipping, flipping some tables for Jesus and his church and just see what happens? You don't even have to be Christian to do this. Flip tables. Anybody can flip tables. But what if we start flipping some tables, flipping Open these boxes that we've created for ourselves. What if we think outside the box? You've heard that before. What if we live outside the box? It's easy. Well, let me say this way. Let me give you some examples, okay? And just humor me, just as hypothetical, or it could become practical for you, regardless of what you believe. What's standing between you and your neighborhood having more hope? Like you're literally the people who live around you, That for them to have more hope. What is standing between that happening? Unless you have a perfect neighborhood, but I doubt it. I doubt that you have a, probably a perfect house, household, or family. So let me just ask you, around your house, you, you had these cards sitting on all the chairs, okay? If this is your house, okay, how, how, many, how many houses around you, and obviously some of your houses are not laid out like this, but let's just be honest with ourselves for a second. Nobody's listening or watching, okay? How many of these houses could you fill in with people's names by heart? Can't look at your phone, just by heart. The names of your neighbors, Let's go a step further. How many of you could name the kids in those households, a hobby or workplace of those people who are living? How well do you know your neighbors? What's something more personal about them? Do you know maybe their spiritual beliefs, their dreams for the future? I haven't met one person that isn't willing to talk about what they hope their future would be like. May not be pretty may not be the hope you'd pick, but people will tell you about it. I think our neighborhoods, because of digitalization and all these reasons, they are what they are. But they've changed so much. We, I just said we moved, and only one of our neighbors have come over to introduce themselves, and I just felt, get to know us and ask if we needed anything. We've had three other neighbors come over, and I kid you not, all of them wanted something from us. That's how they started. Hey, we run this business. You could come if you need anything, or we'll do this for you or do this for you, and we are promise we're affordable. Okay, well, I didn't know my house needed that, but now that you mentioned it, you know, now I feel, okay, a little self-conscious. They wanted something. And then everybody else, we've had to go and introduce ourselves to, And we live out of sight of town, so you got to walk down their lane, and it's kind of awkward, and it's uncomfortable, but we're getting to know our neighbors. Do you think that could change some things? Do you think you could trust your neighbors more if you were able to fill out this entire card? Do you think your neighbors would trust you more if you filled out this entire card? What if you flipped your neighborhood upside down by doing something people don't do anymore? Let me go even bigger. Let's flip this even. Let's really flip the table here. What if, get ready for this, you had like a grill out or a little party, or you just, crazy, I know, simply invited every single one of your neighbors all together or individually over to your house for dinner and just said, I want to get to know you. Their first reaction is going to be what? These guys serial killers or, you know, what, what's, what's their motive, right? Doesn't, come on, doesn't that say something? Because if your neighbor invited you over for dinner, you'd probably think, oh, man, that could be awkward and uncomfortable. And do I know them? And you look them up on Facebook. Oh, no, those pictures are, <laughs> you know, come on, let's be real. That's what you think. That's not an environment in which hope's going to thrive. You know that. That's not a neighborhood. Honestly, that's not a neighborhood you want to live in. That's not where hope and trust are going to be born. That's not how you build the kingdom of God. Yeah, Taylor, but... I actually did that, that I'm even thinking some of my neighbors, I haven't met them, but I just look at what they do, and I'm like, that's gonna be uncomfortable, you know, and we've been there for like 10 years, Taylor, and I haven't even gotten to know my neighbors, and so that's gonna be really uncomfortable. You're right. Even, you know what's gonna be more uncomfortable? If you invite them over and give them coffee and they spill on your carpet. (laughs) That's gonna be uncomfortable. It might even get a little messy, because that's what flipping tables does, When Jesus had meals with people, because he had meals all the time with people, it changed their lives, didn't it? And where were all the religious people? They were all on the outside of the house, peering in, looking in, why, Jesus, disciples, why why is your master eating with them people? Why is he doing that? Why is he breaking bread with them? I doubt any of his dinners were easy. They had religious people on the outside. They had families and kids running around. It was probably a mess but they were changing lives. People were experiencing transformation. Why? Because Jesus just didn't hope. He was being hope. And that's what we need to do. Don't just hope, be hope. Be hope. And it will change you in the process because you will have to learn to love people that you normally may not normally like go over to their house and hang out or invite them over. And it could be weird for a while, but you kind of know by the end of the night, if you break bread together with someone, it could change a lot. I think it would bring hope to your neighborhoods. When you start breaking the box apart, getting out of your comfort zone, because this could be your house. In fact, this could be a lot of things. Right now, it's, in this example, it's your house. It's comfortable, it's neat. You got you know AC and heating, and so it's just easier to stay in it. And it's your safe space. I get it. But hope doesn't live in a box. There's so many other examples of this. I could go on and on. What if you started flipping tables on your pride and started turning it into faith? Because for a lot of us, that's what keeps us from faith is our pride. Because we know better, we think better. Hey, I'm a pastor and I still even do it. I'm like, Lord, I don't need a sabbatical. And then I take a sabbatical. I'm like, oh, I needed a sabbatical. Why don't you turn those half-truths that you keep telling yourself and you keep telling other people, flip those half-truths to authenticity. Start being honest with your motives, your true motives for why you do things and why you say something. Why don't you turn conflict into peace? Flip the table on the conflict you're having in some of those relationships. Flip consumption to generosity, right? It is... This, when we're consuming, it is, this is an Amazon box for, come on, people, this is Amazon, okay? I don't even know what came in here. I can't even remember, but I got it this week, okay? flip Consumption to generosity. Next month, when we do Be Hope, let's be generous. What would happen? Hope would. Hope would happen. Hope would happen. Sometimes our hearts are the boxes, and we need to flip them over. Sometimes our minds are the boxes. Sometimes our relationships are the boxes and they need to be flipped and it's hard and it's uncomfortable but that's where hope comes in. Let me summarize it this way. When you start following Jesus, you will be hope. And when we do that, that's what will change the church. That's what will change our neighborhoods. That's what will change the people we care about most. And your life will be guaranteed, not necessarily easier, but it will be better. And it will be more hope filled. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, don't let us weasel out of this. Because we're trying to find excuses. We're trying to come up, for, come up with reasons why we shouldn't have to. That hope is left in the hands of someone else. That our marriage, that our dating life doesn't need to be flipped. Because, well, everybody else is living their marriage and dating life like this. And it's not like all of our other neighbors are bringing hope to our house. They just want things. Lord, help us to confront those excuses. Because deep down, under all the layer and all the reasons and all the excuses like we've been talking about for the last four plus weeks in the last series, they're not what's gonna bring hope, and we know that. And deep down, we, we kind of, Our hearts get stirred a little bit by the idea of being hope to other people. Our hearts get stirred with the idea that other people around us could bring hope to us. And Lord, we need that hope. Lord, help us not run from you. Because it is so easy, Lord, to put a bunch of excuses and reasons why we shouldn't draw ourselves closer to you. But we also like this idea that our value, our identity is not set in the world, but it is set in your love for us. Lord, help us to flip the tables on our shame, on our guilt, on our insecurities. And experience hope in your love. Help us to persevere through our suffering so that we can experience and know your love. Hope can do that. Hope can break boxes. Hope can help us to focus on the right things. Lord, ultimately, help us to focus on you. Help us to focus on that amazing, outlandish love that you have had for us for longer then we've been alive. Help us to trust that. Help us to be transformed by that and transform the people around us with that same love and hope that you have given us. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.